That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Harry made sure that Hedwig's cage was safely wedged on top of his trunk and wheeled his trolley about to face the barrier. He felt perfectly confident. This wasn't nearly as uncomfortable as using flu powder. Both of them bent low over the handles of their trolleys and walked purposefully toward the barrier, gathering speed. A few feet away from it, they broke into a run and... Crash! Both trolleys hit the barrier and bounced backwards. Ron's trunk fell off with a loud thump. Harry was knocked off his feet, and Hedwig's cage bounced onto the shiny floor, and she rolled away, shrieking indignantly. People all around them stared, and a guard nearby yelled, What in blazes do you think you're doing? What's up, potheads? Welcome to the restricted section, in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss how the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we are talking about today. Chapter 5, The Whomping Willow. This is a pretty classic Harry Potter chapter. The Weasleys try to get all their kids and Harry on the Hogwarts Express to go back to school. When Ron and Harry try to bring up the rear, the wall doesn't let them through, and they can't get through the barrier onto platform nine and three quarters. They have the really bright idea to steal their father's illegal flying car, which they do. The invisibility booster fails them pretty quickly. Um, So as a perfectly visible haphazardly flying car they follow the hogwarts express up to scotland which is where hogwarts is as they get closer the car starts really um having a bad time um (laughs) it is complaining a lot and by the time they get to school it starts really failing them and so they crash land into a tree on the Hogwarts grounds, and lucky for them, it's the Whomping Willow. Um, So it starts beating them merciless. The Ford Anglia has just enough strength in it to get them out of the tree, and then it ejects them and flees into the woods. Snape finds them on the grounds, takes them to his office, where he, and then Professor McGonagall, and then Professor Dumbledore, all demand to understand what happened. They get in a lot of trouble, but mostly they just get detention. When they go to bed, everyone is waiting for them in the common room to celebrate their great success, I guess. Um, And they go to bed feeling pretty pleased with themselves for some fucking reason. You will probably notice that the audio quality in this episode is not quite up to our usual standards. Most of us live in Virginia, and it is hurricane season. So we recorded this during a thunderstorm. It's pretty hard to reschedule a recording with four people, especially when... This is a weekly podcast where the schedule is very important because we have to go in order because of the chapters. So you will definitely hear some thunder. The audio quality is a little different from how it usually is because internet speeds were slowed down due to the storm. And also, one or more participants in this conversation may have a habitual throat clearing issue. So you will hear some coughing throughout this episode. And just let that be a lesson to you, that we all cough more than we think we do. Please wear a mask, wash your hands, and stay the fuck away from each other. This has been a public service announcement from the restricted section.
Okay, the episode is starting now. Cool. Ooh, there was thunder outside at that time. So it was very dramatic. The episode has started. Okay, and go. Podcast starting right now. <laughs> Let's hit the ground running. Woo! Um, Wabi Willow. Yeah, the Wabi Willow. Yeah. <laughs> we, are, we are at the Whomping Willow, which is truly, for someone who enjoys Harry Potter as like a human, like I, I like that guy. Um, this is a very disappointing chapter to read. Just like the one brain cell they share does not service them in this particular chapter. You know, Christina, they got to school is the point. <laughs> okay, okay. Spoilers, spoilers. Let's start at all the spoilers all the time. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning. Haley, how are you doing today? I am great. How are you? I'm pretty good. Andrew, how about you? I am swell. Awesome, awesome. And our very special guest today is friend of the podcast, Joey Rocca. Joey, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing really great today. Happy to be on the podcast. Yay! Yay. We're, we're here to talk about Harry Potter. Joey and I have spent quite a lot of time talking about Harry Potter casually, so it's nice to do it in a formal environment. I always wanted to go pro. Yeah, yeah. That's why I started this podcast. It's that line from Hunter S. Thompson, when the goings get weird, the weird go pro. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, so true. Joey, if you could please just tell us a little bit about your very hairy history. Tell us um, about like when you started reading the books and about maybe like the movies and definitely tell us what Hogwarts house you are. I'm a little bit of a late in life bloomer, as in I didn't start reading the books until I was like past the second one until I was like 19, which is a great age to start. But obviously, I had finished the movies by then. And I'm a true and blue Ravenclaw every time. What? Uh, yeah. Really? I thought you were a Gryffindor. Oh, just because I have red hair and I do dumb no. things sometimes. It's because you are brave. What else are Gryffindors? Well, think of it this way. If I was a Gryffindor, I would think that I was better than you. Knowing that I'm a Ravenclaw, I know that I'm better than you. Wow. wow. I saw that one coming. <laughs> well, so now I am going to say it's just because you're a fucking ginger that you belong at Griffin. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, great. Man. So, like, what qualities of Ravenclaw do you, like, really, like, relate to? I like to think that uh, Ravenclaws really are putting out the whole... Use your fucking common sense. Um, I feel that... Definitely, you don't hear about a lot of dumb, mischievous things coming out of Ravenclaw House because they know what they're doing. And if so, they do do sneaky stuff, they get away with it. I was going to say, you know, <laughs> we've been friends for a long time. Okay, but you got away with it. That's the difference, okay? Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, maybe there was a little precipice where I could have been in the Gryffindor House. But I think that I'm just a little too not. And here we are. All right. All right. You know, Hufflepuff's the Stoner House. I mean, I know what you are. <laughs> I know what you are. <laughs> well, great. How do I even start these things? Okay, well, let's just dive right into it. Let's just dive right into this fucking chapter. So it opens at the close of summertime. Nice. Thank well you. Well done. Thank you so much. Summer's <laughs> over. Harry's like, I'm really happy to get to Hogwarts, but basically for the first time ever, I'm sad to be leaving where I am right now. For the first time ever of two times. He is sad to be leaving the Weasleys, but then it like it goes right into them trying to get the whole fucking Weasley family 
onto the train, into the car to get to the station to get onto the train, which I was just feeling so much for Harry during that scene. Because I, I think, I don't know, man, I'm from like a medium sized family. I have two brothers and like that kind of chaos with seven kids. Everyone is already mad when they wake up, you know? Yeah, no, I feel like this is like what we were talking about when Harry first gets to the burrow and he's just standing there awkwardly while Molly yells at her kids <laughs> and not him. And I feel like this would just be like that, but all of them, like the whole family. Yeah, because his stuff probably has been packed the whole time. Like he's probably good to go. And he's yeah. just like, how can I help? And everyone's just like, get the fuck out of the way. Yeah, I've definitely been that friend, like, pre-road trip, just sitting quietly, hands in my lap, waiting for everyone else. Like, oh, God, I, I wish I could do something for all of you, but truly, I don't know if I can. I love, like, the imagery. I always remember the line where people are walking around with half-eaten bits of toast in their hands, just, like, wandering. Like, anime characters that are late for school. Yeah, yes. Well, there's always, like, a ginormous display of food and they grab one piece of toast and then run out the door right it's really it, it makes me upset to see that yeah it's quite wasteful. you could have had anything else <laughs> and that's probably the case Fucking here toast <laughs> it, it is britain in the 90s your your cuisine choices are going to be limited enough let alone breakfast cuisine in a country house I got uh, your four basic. Hold on let me do the joke i got your four basic food groups we got beans bacon whiskey and lard <laughs> and toast yeah, underappreciated I mean, movie. I have had breakfast in England, and it truly was just beans and toast. I'm so sorry. It's it a sad state of affairs. Great. I mean, like, is the bread good there? I mean, it's bread. It's normal bread. Normal good bread or like store bread? Like store bread. They uh, have stores in England. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's no great harvest. I have a great harvest bread in my freezer right now. I love it so much. Of course you do. Well, well, well. No one likes a bragger. <laughs> I love it. Hey! <laughs> so Making it happen. Arthur Weasley has charmed the Ford Anglia. That's their car. It's not the Ford Angela, which I thought when I was a kid. It's the Ford Anglia. I, I think it was a really interesting scene because it shows the difference in thought process of someone who grew up in the wizarding world because Molly Weasley is looking at the car and says something about how it's amazing what these muggles can do. Cause obviously even to her, there's no way everything's going to fit in it. Wait, I don't she, think, I don't think we actually said, I said it was charmed. The charm is yeah. that it's bigger on the inside. I don't think she knows that the car is charmed. No, definitely yeah, that's what not. I was going to say. She, she says, don't what, say, Mo she, he says, don't tell Molly. Right. And that's why I'm saying, I think it's, it's interesting that she has this like notion that it must be something with the way it's designed or the way that it looks, something <laughs> has been messed with that. It's so much bigger than it actually is. And that's why I think it's interesting mm. because her, her concept is like, I, I know it's not magic. I just know it's not. So it's got to be something with the angles. Yeah, like her, her suspension of disbelief just starts off in a very different place from Harry's. Well, it's just funny because, like, I think earlier, like, right before they even say that, she's talking about, or, like, even in the previous chapter, how muggles just, like, don't understand anything. Yeah, there she's looking at an enchanted car and, like, can't even put two together. <laughs> the irony... Well, you have to remember, too, that Molly Weasley spends her time with Arthur Weasley, who puts muggles on a pedestal. So she's probably she spends all this time hearing him be like, can you imagine these muggles? They're so smart. They invented this thing called electricity that makes lights without fire. And so Molly is like, 
dang, I guess these muggles are kind of cool. This car is nice. But don't you also get the impression that, like, I think Molly Weasley suffers from the same thing that any spouse of someone who's way too into something suffers from, which is being just barraged with these ideas. So all these different aspects of a very broad subject. And where I'm getting, what I'm getting to is, like, she, she almost takes to it like you would talk about a child. Like, oh, look at what these clever little muggles have come up. Like, there's not a real, like, appreciation of it. It's almost like, a, oh, you poor thing. You did your best. <laughs> like, and, and we I, still have to drive on the stupid street, but okay, at least my ass <laughs> is comfortable. Yeah. They get in the car. They're running fucking late. I can feel, like, I can feel it, dude. It's like, so I can, stressful. It's so stressful. And then George forgets something, and then someone else forgets something, and then finally... Oh, wait, 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 wait. The someone else who forgets something is Ginny forgot her diary. Wait. No, you wait, because someone oh, oh, else sorry. forgot something in between. Oh, no, it was George's broomstick. Sorry. It was George's broomstick. Someone... I'm trying to make a point here. Okay. George forgot his fireworks. Fred forgot his broomstick. And then, indeed, Ginny almost loses her fucking mind because she left her diary. Which, first of all, how do you lose something that has only recently started haunting you? Also, do you think she is already, I mean, it's not, not haunted, but do you think she's already affected by the diary at this time? At least a little bit. I mean, like, think about, like, another Horcrux in the way that someone's held it and, like, how it gets worse over uh... time. So, like, you think it's kind of like that ascent crescendo effect that the longer you have in your possession, the more power it would have over you, right? Yeah, so let's, yeah, let's, let's think about it this way. So they rescued Harry on, like, um... I, he, actually, it might have only been like a week because they rescued Harry after he so he got in trouble on his birthday and he had been locked up for like several days or maybe even a couple weeks when they came to save him. So that's already mid-August. So I think at most he's been at the Weasleys for like two weeks. Yeah, it it's says, not a long it, time. It says his month at the borough. His month at, at the, the borough. Of, yeah, first paragraph. I do not accept this math. I think it's been about three weeks. Because right. she she has the thing over the course because they because they went to Diagon Alley like the week after Harry got there they'd been he'd been there for a week so now it's been about three weeks. Okay, all right, okay, all right. That bitch is notoriously terrible at math. So well, also like it, there's nothing to say that Ginny didn't start like writing in the diary a couple days or weeks after she got it. Like I've never started writing in a diary the day I got it. But Joey has a good point that it is whatever you do with it, it is a horcrux that is That's like true. affecting her just by being so. Really, Ginny? Probably. God, I don't. We don't need to d dive all the way into this, but she probably is just like Hogwarts sucks because her first year is just like depressed like Haley was saying you, you buy a diary you might not write it in immediately but if you didn't buy a diary and you get home and you find it in your stuff you probably check it out immediately that is a great point but and also if you're an 11 year old girl who is living with the crush that is like the crush to end all crushes is living in your house has been there for a week you go on this trip and on the trip your dad almost gets in a fight that was a straight you, up fight yeah, you got some shit to start uh, really writing at that point. So, and especially me. That's true. I'm not, I'm not the first one to really ever bring to bring this up. But if you're someone who's 11 years old and you have this spirit of a dark lord or a future dark lord, they're going to be able to manipulate the living hell out of you. 
that's just the way it is. Like if you are in that mental state as an 11 year old, then anyone who talks to you with authority and seems to know what they're talking about, they're going to get their hooks on you immediately. I hear what you're saying. I acknowledge your point. You make a great point. I'm still tripping at the very first words in Jenny's diary being like, dad got into a fight today. It was so embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Got his ass whooped. Dad brawl. Okay. Well, they do get there. Arthur Weasley's like, please, can we fly? We're so fucking late. In retrospect, Molly should have said yes, but she didn't. Um, they get there with just 15 minutes to get all seven. Uh, no, wait, that's not, how many children? There's six, I think. There's like five Weasleys and one Harry. Five? Five. No, yeah, it is five. Yeah, I forgot Percy. Um, so 15 minutes to get them all and all their shit onto the train. That's rough. Um, but they do it almost. Okay, okay. So they get. They get the trolley. They get. It's like I think now nobody's mad anymore. It's just like full family survival mode. Arthur's like, I will get the trolley. Molly's like, I will get the children. And they get into the station, Kings Cross Station, and they go to between platforms nine and ten, where there's the metal barrier where they walk through onto platform nine and three quarters. And Percy goes first because he's a prefect and he's already late. If he's not 15 minutes early, he's late. Okay. And then Mr. Weasley goes through and then the twins go through. And I feel like that's so Mr. Weasley can direct the twins. Okay. And then Mrs. Weasley and Ginny go through next because Mrs. Weasley wants to make sure she can comfortably get Ginny onto the train for her first year. But really, no one should have left Ron and Harry and their one shared brain cell to just to even do just walk through that door but they did and we all know what happens they, they don't found they don't the get most, through they found the most dramatic solution possible yeah so they can't get through uh, it's just like so stupid okay so they crash into they're like running cuz that is like oh it's less scary if you run full tilt into the platform barrier and they crash everywhere and Hedwig is shrieking which like First of all, I would never take Hedwig in her cage on the train. I would let her go and be like, meet me at Hogwarts, bitch. Because she would like that so much more. That's mm. such a good point. <laughs> I I don't know. I think she might like flying more, but I don't know about flying from London to the upper highlands of scotland that's a long ass trip okay someone someone needs to do some owl research right now how long does it take an owl to fly 400 miles i'm but an african swallow um yeah, exactly. but don't forget african no, swallows are non-migratory i don't accept that andrew because they those owls take mail everywhere Sirius black hides out in the tropics at one point like they take mail everywhere they take mail from hermione to victor crumb they do, but I mean, I, I think, I don't know. I just get the impression that if you've been in a cage all summer and then it's like, all right, now fly a few hundred miles. I just, I, I think that would take the, that poor owl so long to do that trip. All right. All right. Let's agree to disagree on that. Let's get off the owl thing. She's pissed and she's in the cage. That's where we're at right now. And yeah, then, just push aside animal abuse at Hogwarts again. Sure. <laughs> animal abuse that. and child abuse. It's just it's just a given in this world. Yeah. Hey, buddy. Hey, sweetheart. He, oh, I'm sorry. He loves staring into lights deeply. You need to not stare into the light. Speaking of animal abuse. 
And then they're standing there like, what do we do? Why isn't this working? Ron is like, what if mom and dad can't get back through? And it's like, oh, I guess we're the only ones who can possibly do anything about this. Like, the fact that Ron is worried they won't be able to get back through the barrier, and then he suggests the car, and then Harry is like, but how will your parents get home? And Ron's like, they can apparate. So they couldn't apparate to you? I I think... There's no time. (laughs) There's no time. now. (laughs) I think we just have to, like... I think we just have to say, like, this was a really bad idea, and I think we just, like, can't dwell on it too much or it will consume us let's just let's go ahead and chalk it up to panic bad idea they're what 12 yeah and they have each other being like great idea and again i cannot stress this enough they're wizards it's all about the drama yeah (laughs) this is the most dramatic solution they could possibly have found they spend the first like three hours of the trip fantasizing about like yeah isn't gonna look so fucking dope when we just touch down lightly on the lawn in front of the whole school and everyone will cheer and our brothers will like be the, so jealous like the fucking Durmstrang's carriage yeah no, that's what oh, they, it's the Bobaton carriage I'm an idiot I'm an idiot like that's what idiot. they were imagining like the most dramatic possible entrance and I mean it was dramatic that's they pulled that off so you know a plus wizard points there it's definitely overly dramatic. It's definitely a stupid decision. It is not a decision that I would count off as impossible, though. Like, I definitely have been in situations when I was younger where a very incredibly, in hindsight, stupid option came up. And I, me and a friend would be like, that's a great idea, right? That's what we need to do. That's, that's clearly so the immediate. only thing we can do. Right. And it's just like, or if I just waited 10 minutes, a better option would come forward. Like, I told, I've been a 12-year-old boy. That a hundred percent i could see that happening to me no no this fully checks out i think i think this is like an example of how having the wizarding world be so isolated is really a disservice to them because when i was 12 i would never have fucking driven any sort of car because that is fucking illegal right like that is so deeply illegal but ron probably doesn't even know that you know, like, he's like, oh, Fred and George did it. And so he he doesn't have any context. Well, actually, he, he acknowledges that it's illegal, but he says that there are, restri- there are uh, I mean, he doesn't get it right, but he has some mumbling off sentence about, like, I think there are provisions for it in case of extreme emergency in the st- sec- it's like section, section nine- 19. It's section 19 yeah. or restriction of, or something <laughs> of the restriction of thingy. That's pretty good. That's he knows yeah. more than I think most most kids would about yeah. the law. Um, that brings us to they get to the car. Ron uses magic to get into the boot. I'm reading the British version, so it's called a boot, um, and to start the car. So Mafalda Hopkirk, whatever the fuck her job title is, should have gotten an alert that someone is underage is using magic at King's Cross, right? I, I don't think so. Think about how many wizards are going to be in King's Cross on that day. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll allow it. And apparently so will Mephelda Hopkirk. (laughs) Um, man, I just quote, Harry's feeling of panic suddenly turned to excitement when Ron suggests the car. I just hate everything about it. Um, I just, I don't know. Do they have a parking pass at Hogwarts? Like, there's just so many questions. Okay. 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 So they take off. Ron uses magic to start the car. Um, the in- invisibility booster is immediately 
like flickering in and out of working, which <laughs> uh, <laughs> they start to follow the train, which okay, good, 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 good. And it takes hours. I don't think I don't think any other book really shows how long the train ride is because it's like, yeah, they're having a good time fucking around with their friends. They were on a train. What do you want from us? But this is like agonizing. It's like several hours later, they were bored and thirsty. Several hours later, shit started to go bad. It's like, it's like driving. It's like a family vacation where it's just like, like you're in the car on the way there. And it's like, no matter how good the beach is, this will never be worth this drive. Like at a certain point, it's like, just let me die. Just let me die. (laughs) Does anyone want to take a guess at how god-awful and as bad as it is to say this word here, as as cursed as it would be to have to use the toilets on the Hogwarts Express? <laughs> like, unless those are self-cleaning toilets. I mean, it's the Hogwarts Express. They're probably self-cleaning toilets. I would, I would guess so. so. Okay, are we talking, wait, I don't, I don't get the point you're trying to make. Is it just like a bunch of kids using the shitter? Is that what you're getting at? You're using the shitter... But also, you had to wake up early. God knows if you got it. Like, there's a lot of gastro- gas- gastronomical, <laughs> like, fuckery going on right now. I, I go to a lot of music festivals. <laughs> I think what, what Andrew's referring to is the, um, I think it's called the Breakfast Burrito Critical Mass. Yes. Um, at some point, <laughs> so many to- a toilet can only handle so many people eating breakfast burritos. Yeah, at some point, it's just critical mass, and it's unable to handle... Beans and toast, like that's a lot that's of fiber. A bur- that's a burrito right there. Basically. Oh wait, well actually no. If we're if we're look if we're at the Hogwarts Express, I think we were mentioning earlier as far as the uh, the abomination that is English cuisine. That was probably not great for those toilets. <laughs> There's a house elf. Sorry to our English listeners. <laughs> There's a house elf whose responsibility is to just vanish the shits. Shit elf. <laughs> You're telling me there's a shit elf above Hogwarts Express. Probably multiple shit elves above Hogwarts Express. Multiple not above. It's, it's a cubby off to the side, and they just kind of like lean their head out and do the charm and then kind of <laughs> lean back in. Think about how they got this shit draw in life that they literally are like the elf on the Hogwarts Express. Yeah, I'm train seven. That's me. <laughs> like. Uh. I don't know. I've been to a lot of music festivals, so it takes a really shitty porta potty to to upset me, and I do mean that incredibly literally. If yes. there is one spot for me to brace myself as I squat, we're getting too much into this. <laughs> yeah. Um. Can yeah. Let's. We're not even. This. You don't even get on the Hogwarts Express on this chapter yet. <laughs> Yeah, we're all up in the toilet. <laughs> so, well, what they're doing is probably pissing out the window like golden showers. <laughs> have you never done that? I have not ever done that. As a female, it goes straight down. I would have to put the whole the whole ass out. The yeah, I, no, like like <laughs> the world would have to see like the full hams. I mean, this is a long road trip we're talking about. <laughs> They're the definitely pissing somewhere. No, we like girls on a road trip. We have to find like a bottle with a wide mouth, and that's that is. Even I, then, I would prefer to pull off in the bushes. Wait, I Haley, actually really... no, no, no. Hold on, Haley. Have you pissed on a bottle? Have I? <laughs> Haley, if you say no, never. I'll lose respect for you. <laughs> You're the type of person I know that if I needed you to, you'd piss in a bottle. <laughs> I don't no know if I stopping. have, but I absolutely would. I will piss yeah. like in the woods or something, but like a, like my 
vagina does not have like the like the aim for me to know that I'm not gonna like fuck no, up it your would, car. It, no, I I I do uh, emphasize the qualifier of like a wide mouth bottle, like a vitamin water. Have you all ever okay. heard of a shiwi? Yes. Yeah, I tried to get <laughs> tried to get someone one of these one time because I tired of stopping on road trips. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jesus Christ. Okay, um, where the fuck are we? Okay. We're flying. They're flying. They've been there for a long time. They're sweaty. They're bored. Do they get radio signal up there? You kind of don't even get it in the mountains, so probably not. Um, they're thirsty. I personally have, I call it, like, dehydration anxiety, where, like, I simply cannot be thirsty. Or, like, I am dying. (laughs) It's like a great anxiety to me. I went hiking with a girlfriend recently and I had a camelback and a bottle of water in the car and she did not have either. We went on like a three mile hike. It wasn't that long, but it was in the Badlands in South Dakota and it was like 1 million degrees. And when we got in the car, she was like, hey, can I just like chug the rest of your bottle? And I was like, no, (laughs) I'm so sorry. You cannot. (laughs) Like I will die if I have to drive an hour out of here without water. But I let her chug half of it. And then they had eaten toffees, which, like, there's this, like, class of food that's, like, chocolate, toffee, caramel that, like, is so delicious. But then, like, your throat is in your mouth. It, like, gives you bad breath. And then it, like, makes your throat and mouth all, like, chalky. You guys feel that way? Or is that yes. just, like, a No, no, way? I absolutely feel that way. Andrew and Joey are both making very, um, I don't relate to that faces. No, coffee does something similar. Yeah, coffee too. It's like it's like it's like a sugar thing. I don't know what causes Mm -hmm. it, but it makes the back. It just makes the back of my mouth feel bad. Yeah. So I was getting I just a lot of anxiety in this chapter (laughs) for a lot of different reasons. Um, and then through the whole car ride, it takes in my book it took like two or three pages, and there's literally one line where Harry's like, "I'm not really having fun anymore. Why couldn't we get onto the platform?" And it's like, dude, I've been wondering that this whole fucking time. I don't know. He's not even thinking about it. He's just like, cool. Like, this, I got to do this fun, cool thing. And that's like all I care about right now. I, I don't know. I kind of commiserate with him on that. I'm the type of person who something, an, an activity like that would lose its novelty for me very quickly. Like, oh, yeah, we're doing this. But by hour like two, it's like, okay, yeah, we're still doing this. Oh, I'm totally with him on that. I'm just wondering why he has one single passing thought about how did he end up in that situation. I mean... If you got eight hours is what I'm guessing the ride is to just sit with your best friend, why not think about that? I don't know. A little bit more. (laughs) I guess he, he hasn't reached a point of like assuming that anything bad that happens to him is actively sabotage because usually the bad things that happen to him are actively sabotage but like he's not paranoid about that yet like the 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 end of last year yeah no the the end of last year could have been a one-off he doesn't know that Voldemort's gonna keep coming back he doesn't know that every single school year there's a plot to destroy him right (laughs) from the new defense against the dark arts teacher (laughs) not this year just kidding okay great so the car starts making bad noises. A new brand of anxiety. Just bring it in. We're all young. I'm sure we've all had cars making bad noises. Maybe not you, Haley. I don't I don't drive often enough for my car to make bad noises. I had a car die on an exit ramp off 64 in Norfolk. If anybody, if any listeners out there live in Virginia, you might know that that is a less than ideal place for your car to die. At Hampton Boulevard? 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was the exit oh. onto, onto was, the per- terminal. Was oh, that the God. same car that became a submarine? No. What? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. For any listeners that don't know out there, there was almost a Christina went viral uh, in early 2013 for her car being a submarine sunken up to its windshields. Um, we all. Joey and Andrew and I went to school in Norfolk, Virginia, which is 10 feet below sea level, and it floods with great frequency. And a car that I had pretty much already destroyed um, then got caught in a hurricane and was under like five feet of water. And about 100 of my closest friends texted me to let me know, and I finally snapped on Ben Jones. Sorry, dude. I know you were just looking out for me, but I was like, stop texting me about this! (laughs) Anyway, I've lost a lot of cars. <laughs> to the sea. <laughs> <laughs> a Viking funeral. <laughs> Pissed off Poseidon. <laughs> that was crazy. I li- when I lived in that house, the high tide during hurricane season would bring the disgusting Lafayette River into my front yard. It was very gross. So the car doesn't sound good. They, quote, both pretend not to notice, unquote, as it gets worse, (laughs) which also I can relate to because all my good friends when I was like 19 pretended not to notice my Camry slowly dying. (laughs) Um, The windshield wipers start, quote, waving feebly, unquote, like this car. I feel like you can feel its spirit. Like it's really trying to get them there, but it's also like y'all are fucking idiots and like i was not designed for this but no i i fully see the car as like a character in its own right because it has a personality oh it's my favorite character (laughs) in the whole series i have literally said that on this podcast before like this is my favorite um subplot and the ford anglia is my favorite character i love the way and i love the way it's captured in the films too the way it just like ejects them wait oh no that's that is perfect though it's perfect um okay so they finally are in sight of the castle and i feel like the (laughs) i feel like the ford anglia is like if i die here they'll be okay so it starts just to die. <laughs> I just need to get over this lake, but like I can make a slow descent. It could be a crash landing. <laughs> Thank God, because I don't know what the fuck they would have done. Honestly, actually, isn't the great squid, the giant squid, like good? He's friendly. Yeah, it it would save them, but also friendlier than a whomping him. willow. He might not be too <laughs> yeah. friendly if you drop a Ford Anglia on him, though. Might yeah. not be too friendly if you drop a car into it. Also, they would have lost. I like. I think most of their stuff is in the trunk. I would hope Hedwig is in the back seat, so I think they would have lost most of their stuff and hopefully not Hedwig. Yeah. In Goblet of Fire, Harry just like goes down and sees the mer people and they've just got all his shit from when he was twelve. And he's like, Hey <laughs> Oh, what what a great subplot that would be to Goblet of Fire is if you can only take one and he sees they have something he dropped in the second book and he's like <laughs> Screw Ron! Screw that girl! I'm taking back my my headphones or whatever he's left under water. My headphones! <laughs> I, I don't know. I almost would rather see him like show up. There's Ron, and then like under the pole that Ron is tied to is like a to go bag. You know, like I, my grandmother used to do this all the time. Like if I had left a bunch of stuff there, we would go and pick it up, and it would be in a nice like like a plastic bag with a single <laughs> knot for ease of undoing. Just like sitting at the bottom of the pole, like, we know you left this a while ago. 
under him is a copy of Spice World. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, they put it all in a little to-go bag for him, but it's all decayed and full of barnacles. It's all ruined. But, like, they don't know that that's not good. <laughs> uh, all right, so, I mean, basically, Anglia, in all of its, you know, personality... Kind of had that like three day oppa flying through the desert, like slow to fall into the fucking you know over the forest. Yeah, total yeah. oppa mode. Yeah, well, that's like, yeah. I get big oppa energy from uh, the Anglia. For those who don't know, oppa is a character from Avatar: The Last Airbender, recently added to Netflix. He is a sky bison. He is a gigantic white flying bison, and. <laughs> He's the only adult in that series. <laughs> it's like a bunch of kids just riding Appa around trying to save the world. So if you haven't seen Avatar The Last Airbender yet, I truly could not recommend it anymore. It's an incredible show. The Anglia is like Appa as a wine mom. Like, like Appa, I think, is very, very patient yeah. with his children. The Anglia like does its best, but like only because it has to. I feel like the Ford Anglia is like the Molly. And then, like, the Appa is, like, the Arthur. Oh, God. They're perfect for each other. <laughs> They're I ship it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, now I'm envisioning Appa flying around with the Ford Anglia. Hey, you, listening. I know you draw. Please draw that for us. I would love Wait. to see that. You didn't know that Cars and Cars 2 was canon to the Avatar and Harry Potter universe? <laughs> it all comes together. <laughs> Everything is from the same universe. I think the thing that I really want to see is taking clips of uh, the life of that Ford Anglia and putting them together on a montage to uh, Queen's I Want to Break Free. Because you get the impression that, like, that car thrived in the Forbidden Forest. It didn't just survive. It was living its best life. It's like a Tarzan just, like, situation. Yeah, you could just have like a montage that starts with it sitting in the Weasley shed and then like triumphantly taking off to that first crescendo. <laughs> oh man, it would be great. Well, the engine stops. They made it past the lake. They're heading toward a wall. Ron veers. I get it. I get it, Fort Anglia. When I'm still running and I wanted to stop running half a mile ago, I might very well could run directly into a wall because I'm not really paying attention. I'm just trying to keep going. And they don't land in the wall. They land in a tree. Oh, that's nice. No, it's not nice. It's the Whomping Willow. But they don't know that. They don't know that this tree exists, which like... As many crazy things as there are at Hogwarts, I still think I would have noticed the Whomping Willow you think in, my, in my year. Like, like signs posted around it, like 10 foot radius all around the tree, like do not approach this tree. If there's not, I know that the administration at Hogwarts does not give a fuck about child welfare, but that is some next level <laughs> shit. Do you I mean, think that they're going to put a sign around an angry tree when they didn't put a sign around a three-headed Cerberus? Wow. Really? Well, they at least, they, they at OSHA's least never forbade, been to Hogwarts. They at least forbade children from the hallway that the Cerberus was in. Well, but isn't they the didn't tree label in the Forbidden it. Forest, technically? I, it's like on the outskirts. Uh, is it forbidden? Yeah. 
Yeah. And really, Fluffy needed to be labeled because Ron, Harry, and Hermione ended up there by accident. <laughs> or just a stronger charm than a lock charm that a first year can overcome. <laughs> like, I don't know. I know just throwing out ideas there. <laughs> if, we're, if we're putting ideas in the ideas bucket, I think that one might float to the top. But uh, we are assuming, though, maybe there are signs. Because if you crash into something from above, you generally don't get a good look of any signs that might be warning you against anything. Wow, that's a great point. And also, it's dark outside now. No, I'm just like, I'm not wondering in their case. I'm just wondering for like kids wandering around the school. How many kids are lost to the Whomping Willow every year? (laughs) Stuff you don't hear about. Haley, it's Hogwarts. How much more drama can you add than putting a punching (laughs) sentient tree that is not labeled on the edge of the forbidden forest? Like, and just letting kids find hey it. Hey, guys, let's go near the edge of that forbidden forest. I don't know, man. Does it sound like a good idea? No, I'm going to go do it. Then all of a sudden you get uppercutted by 30, you know, 3,000 pounds of timber. Like how you went from 30 to 3,000. Yeah, like, Somewhere in there. We're not numbers, say three people. tons, and then I said 30, and then I had a... Cr- oh, yeah. The Wizarding World doesn't have Darwinism, but, like, they definitely have Darwinism. You know what I mean? Yeah. It definitely applies. It applies. Um, it is not an ordinary tree. That's what my notes say. Um, so the first thing is that Ron is like, my wand got broken in half, which is probably, I mean, this, as we know, he has to use this broken wand all year and it sucks, but like probably for the best because he gets a new wand soon. Yeah. Yeah. Brown Tomato is a wizard. Like, truly, thank God that, like, exams get canceled at the end of this book because of, like, all the shit that went down because he would not have passed. Honestly, or killed someone. <laughs> I don't want to get, like, too deep into this, but, like, we made a joke in the last episode about, like, underprivileged kids getting left behind and, like, some kids don't get a wand that was built for them. Yeah. And that's fucked up. Yeah. It's a sad because, world we live in. Because Harry Potter has a wand that chose him and wants to work with him. And I it, you don't really think about it until he loses it in the last book. But, like, that wand really works for him in a really deep and meaningful way. And, like, Ron probably doesn't get that in these first two books. What if it's just, like, and the wand fucks his grades, dude? They say at one point that... Hogwarts has like funds in place for people who can't afford to go there because I think they say that to uh, Riddle but that brings up the question like do you then like what are the dynamics of that money do you only get it if you have absolutely nothing because obviously the Weasleys it either brings on inconsistencies or it brings on really fucked up morals where it's like well you're you're, you you have parents so you don't get any money well, no. or like, I wonder if it's like the fund is like just for kids who like li- are from the muggle world whose parents like, honestly, I'm sure there's some instances of parents like, like when you come out to them and they disown you, you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't want to deal with any of this. And they just like drop you. And then Hogwarts is like, we got you. Yeah. I mean, just like. Even the whole reason they got in trouble in this chapter is for exposing themselves to the muggle world. Like, I wouldn't say it's probably even a charity fund, but more of like a backup. Oh. We don't want to expose ourselves to the muggle world. We need to have something in place so that way when, you know, things like that happen, you know, we have somewhere to put them and we can afford it. 
Yeah, well, and also for those who have seen the Fantastic Beasts movies, like we've seen what happens when you leave magic unattended. So it's probably in the best interest of the International Statute of Secrecy to make sure that kids who have magic in them get their education. Well, and it, it's dark to talk about, but we also know from the seventh book that there are ways that you can convince, you know, muggle parents that they don't have kids. So they're cool with it. You're not coming home on holidays. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm all about dark Tumbledore, like, like timelines and stuff. So like, I Dumbledore. definitely would like to accept that theory. Dumbledore, Dumbledore just stealing out of muggle kids. <laughs> just, just erasing minds. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly up my alley. Dark Dumbledore is my, that's my thing. Dumbledore's just sitting in his office writing fake letters to and from the uh, parents to the kids. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, that's one for Mr. Nelson today. Yes, we love you too. Joey, I know you didn't do this on purpose, but it sounded like you said Tumbledore, and now I can't stop imagining him as a gymnast. Like a very, like, Jonathan Van Ness type of gymnast. Oh, my God. In, like, a little purple leotard. <laughs> With, like, just, moons. Just, just a little bit of a belly. Just enough to be cute. Mm. And a deep V, like a really deep V. Like an inadvisably deep V. <laughs> Why did you guys do that? You didn't have to put that image in my head. You did it. There. <laughs> well, it's there now, Joey. So have fun with that. Okay. okay. Tumbledore. All right, move on. All right. Ron and Harry are in the Whomping Willow and they're getting destroyed. That's what happens while they're in the Whomping Willow. Okay. It happens for several paragraphs. They're getting whomped. Okay. So the... Ford Anglia uses the last of its strength to, like, <laughs> throw that bitch in reverse. Like, let's get the fuck out of here. Out of arm's reach of the Whomping Willow. And then it ejects them forcibly, aggressively. Hedwig goes sailing. Luckily, her fucking cage finally opens and she gets set free. Goodbye, Hedwig. Please don't be mad at me. I need you to take my letters to nobody because all my friends are here. <laughs> all my uh, friends are here. Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> oh and then it um it goes in the woods right mm -hmm. yeah that's, yeah. That. that's that it's got so, spiders to go hang out with yeah Oof. let me go get infested with spiders that's what i want to do i'm a four Anglia. so they drag their trunks and shit up to the school they look through the little windows of the great hall the sorting is happening we get a glimpse of colin creevy harry doesn't know who that is yet but we definitely see him don't roll your eyes harry i mean <laughs> Haley. <laughs> whoa also don't look roll at your me, eyes look harry. at me look at me i am harry now <laughs> you're a skeptic Haley. <laughs> oh oh this book's getting to me it's getting in my head that's my best friend. Her name's Haley. Haley. Her name's Haley. I know her. She's been on this podcast the whole time. And then they're like, Snape is missing. Okay, I opened it to the exact right page. Isn't that exciting? Hang on. There's an empty chair at the staff table. Where is Snape? Maybe he's ill, said Ron, hopefully. Maybe he's left, said Harry, because he missed out on the Defense Against the Dark Arts job again. Or he might have been sacked, said Ron enthusiastically. I mean, everyone hates him. <laughs> or maybe, said a cold voice right behind them. He's waiting to hear why you two didn't arrive on the school train. 
I'm not good at Snape voice. That's not, it's not my voice's it sounds, it, That sounds like a slightly gayer Potter puppet pal Snape. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's about, that's like kind of more my vibe. Yeah, like there, there's like Dumbledore. a sassy and like, like <laughs> Ron, Ron, Ron Weasley. Weasley. No, 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 we're not doing this. <laughs> Danger. Hermione. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So he's right behind you. Snape is right behind them. Um, and they are most certainly in trouble. I mean, obviously. Did they think they were gonna get to the school and the teachers were gonna be like, well done, Gryffindor, well done, Gryffindor? Like, no, that was never ever in any any version of this ever going to happen. Like, Christina, they did the most dramatic thing. <laughs> I, I, I was gonna that's, say, I've got a challenge. Riz- that's Wizards 101. Yeah, I've got to challenge you on that assumption that they're uh, that they can't assume they're not going to get in trouble. Harry doesn't know this yet, but the rest of his life is I did this thing that I should get in irreversible trouble for, and not only do I not, but I'm kind of rewarded in another way. Well, and honestly, that's how the last book ended too. So you're right about that. It's stupid. So, so why do you think Snape is there at that time? I am going to guess that when they drove the car uh, through the school's wards, which I kind of picture as like forming a bubble, um, it tripped something off. Probably not like the emergency alarm, but definitely an alarm. So uh, Dumbledore has probably put two and two together at this point. Harry Potter and Ron Weasley are definitely not on the train. Arthur and Molly probably noticed. at some point. Yeah, they probably have already gotten a message to Dumbledore. Yeah, no, Arthur and Molly have probably been, like, right, like, were right behind Harry and Ron the whole time. They probably watched them take off in the fucking car. I'm surprised that they didn't immediately apparate to Hogsmeade and just walk directly into Dumbledore's (sighs) office. Oh, fucking no. So, like, I feel like Snape probably volunteered, like, oh, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, that's true. Obviously, they know that they're not on the train. Dumbledore's, you know, puts out his all right, we got to find these two because obviously they're supposed to be here on that train. And then Snape, who he probably put to the job for, just spent the last book putting his ass on the line to try and save this little shithead, which is mm. pretty much the whole reason I feel like he hates him even more than he already does. Yeah. is because he spends so much time trying to protect someone he hates, and that person spends so much time trying to die. Like Harry spends an inordinate amount of time trying to die at all times. <laughs> And like wow. as Snape, I'd be doubly pissed because I already hate you, but I'm trying to save you. And now you want to die? So like, I would also be in Snape's shoes, just like, all right, well, obviously these fuckers are around here somewhere. So he's on the he's on the lookout the whole time. First of all, Snape, just you wait until book seven to see how Harry tries to die. Second of all, that also ties back into Dumbledore said that the one thing James Potter did to Snape that he could never forgive was that he saved his life. It's all kind of the same vibe. There's also the simple fact that both him and McGonagall have like roles that they play in the ceremony. And so if it's not going to be Dumbledore and it's not going to be McGonagall, the only other person that, I mean, Hagrid's great for a lot of things, but finding kids is not one of them. Well, it's kind of like, okay, so like, Dumbledore is the headmaster, Minerva McGonagall is the deputy headmistress, and then, like, Snape is, like, the deputy to the headmistress, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's, like, third in command. Yeah. And, yeah, I think, I think logically, you're right, the chain of command makes sense this way. 
So they, he takes them to his office, which we've never been in before. And it, spoiler alert, it's creepy. Um, maybe if you've been in Joey's living room, that's kind of like an indication. I've been to your house. Tim has some crazy shit in your All right, house. Excuse me that you don't have enough dismembered baby heads in your living room, but I'm properly decorated. <laughs> oh my God. The last time I was at Joey's house, his roommate, Tim, showed me a 50s plug into the wall vibrator. He just has it. You hey, did we also tell me have a leg that. lamp, too. Oh, yeah, the and leg also, lamp. Also, we have a whole bunch of swords, too. Possibly the sword of Gryffindor. I'm basically in the room of requirement right now because so we have a whole bunch of swords and. I found this back scratcher I didn't know I needed because I just thought I needed it. So basically the room of requirement that I'm recording from, I think you need to step up your studio. I just want to clarify that Tim is great. I feel like the 50s vibrator might put off some people, but like that's just, he's just that kind of guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a curio. Right. It's he's a sort of curio. He's the sort of man who would have a curio cabinet. Yes, and he has more than one for sure. We have all kinds of stuff here, but if we want to stop talking smack about the decorum in this household. <laughs> it's decorum. To decorum is a different word. <laughs> I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> We're showing okay. poor decorum by talking shit about the decor. Okay. Thank okay. you, Haley. Yes. Use it in a sentence. Thank you. Um, I, I just wanted to point out when Snape is fussing at them, Harry says, it, it says like, this wasn't, well, let me see. This wasn't the first time Snape had given Harry the impression of being able to read minds, which is an important line, but also Snape, all he said was, where's the car? Which, like, does he have eyeballs? I don't think he can read minds. I mean, I know he can, but, like, also, does he have eyeballs? Because you crash-landed that in the front yard, dude. Well, in his defense, he crash-landed it at night, like, on the outskirts of the, the facility, and they snuck in to the castle. I mean, I, I can get how you would think, like, how do you know the method that I got here? I don't know, man. He doesn't have any history. Like, um, Harry has not met a person that he knows can read minds. So I find it hard to believe that that's the first. No, not hard to believe. It's easy to believe, but it's stupid as shit of him for that to be, like, the first thing that his mind jumps to other than, like, maybe he saw me. I don't know. I, th I think, t like, reading minds is a pretty common magical power. It wouldn't Maybe. be too far out of the ordinary for standard fiction or standard, uh, standard fantasy. <laughs> standard so, like, fantasy. How much effort does Harry really put in in his off time to finding stuff out about the magical world? He just wow, kind of goes with the true. flows with it. So, like, as far as there are ever existing mind readers, I don't think that's something he might think outright. But, like, that's at the same point. time, what Christina was saying, like, why is that your initial thought and not like, yeah, I made a huge ass scene coming into this scene, this school. <laughs> he made a Why scene. does he know? How does he know? Yeah, because of course they know. Like he well, could I mean, have been gazing out the window. Well, I mean, like, if you think any about, number of things. If you think about later, like when Harry finds out that he's a parcel tongue, and I think at one point, like when Her when Hermione and Ron are confronting him about that, he's like, well, I'm sure a bunch of people here can do it. Like he just thinks it's like, it's like being able to lick your nose. Like not everyone can do it, but like it's, I can do that. You're, you're giving me a weird look. Show do you us want now. me to show you? Show us now. I will narrate to the listeners. Oh, she did it. <laughs> There's my narration. Oh, wow. She did it. it yeah, it's kind of in there. Well, now she can stop mm -hmm. doing it. <laughs> my, no <laughs> my nose is like perhaps too upturned. <laughs> what does that mean? Did I just diss it's myself? <laughs> 
What's happening? Oh, you just fucking dissed yourself. You didn't what's, even realize it. What's happening? Oh, I mean, like, have you ever so, an expression? So. I turn up my nose at that, or like turning up their nose at something. Like, yeah, it's like it, like you're snooty. Like your nose. Yeah, is in the that's air. like not our diss. That's not like <laughs> this idiot just dissed herself. Her nose turns up. Something. I just think it's funny that your nose happens to be high on your face, and that's is also it? something I feel like you would do. <laughs> like you have like a double upturned nose. <laughs> Both literal and more metaphorical. Yeah, okay. exactly. I want you to know that my dad says I have a, a strong Roman nose, so I don't need I don't, your opinion. I don't know if that's necessary. Like, it's not a bad nose. I just don't know if that's literally true. It's true. My dad said so. We both have big noses. Let's move on. Okay. Okay, okay so they're in Snape's office. Snape is, like, gleefully and also enragedly being like, how fucking dare you? They were seen by six or seven muggles. They're in newspapers already. And Snape is like, damage was done to the Whomping Willow, which strikes me as just, like, so deeply spiteful, like, intentionally malicious to Harry, because as we know, Snape has a history with the Whomping Willow, and he has no reason to, like, have any fondness for the Whomping Willow. It's good to be reading this chapter now because it really kind of points out how ridiculous it is. All the stuff you're hearing out of Portland about they've destroyed X number of courthouses or anything like it's like okay, that's that's property. It can be replaced. People are like people are in danger, and you're worried about property which is insured, can be replaced, is completely one hundred percent not alive, and you're worried about that over a kid that flew into a tree and could have died. Well, also for Snape's ego to maintain any kind of like semblance, he needs to let Harry know often and severely (laughs) that he doesn't like him. Like it's (laughs) very important for Snape's ego for him to exist so that know that so Harry knows that he hates him and he thinks he's a little dumb shit, which he successfully does by placing the value of the tree over Harry's life. So I get it. Oh my god. I'm just gonna bring this back because we haven't brought it up since then, but our guest on our episode JK Rowling is cancelled, Danny, brought it to my attention that there is an interpretation of the Harry Potter series in which Snape was in love with James, and the reason he can't bear to look at Harry is because Harry is a representation of the woman, Lily, who took James from him. And the reason Snape is obsessed with Lily is because she took James. And I just want to like remind everyone that that is a theory that exists that I enjoy at this time. I, I, I like theories. Yeah, I, I also like the idea that... Uh, Snape doesn't actually believe that Harry is a drama queen or a celebrity like wannabe. He knows full well that Harry hates all of this, but he also knows that that's like the most cutting remark he could possibly make as a, as a teacher and get away with it is saying that like he wants nothing more than attention. I, I genuinely think for real that Snape does feel that way, but it's great to imagine a situation where he's so petulant towards Harry that he's like, what can I say that will really get this kid? Oh, he's fame hungry. Like he oh hit it one God. time, he found the effect in like a like a like a twelve year old or like a fifteen year old that has found the one thing that you're really uh, ashamed about yourself with. Just keeps hitting it right on the head. Oh, I think the bottom line is no matter what, Snape's a dick. Andrew, don't talk. Let's move on. I'm sorry. I love you, Andrew. We all know your opinion of Snape. 
I think he's a dick too. Okay, good, 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 good. Who would you rather be in trouble with? Snape or McGonagall? Oh god. Oh god. Am I McGonagall's all bark. And like some bite. Andrew, you may answer. Well, I was going to say, am I in Slytherin? I thought you said, can I answer? And I said, everyone. Um, no. no, you are in your, your Ravenclaw. Because it's a very simple question. If you're in Slytherin, then S- Snape. If you're out of Slytherin, McGonagall. And that just fucking sucks, doesn't it? Yeah. Haley, Haley what about you? Uh, McGonagall wins by a hair-thin margin, just because, like, if Snape is yelling at you, like, at a certain point he's going to cross a line, and, like, later on, commiserating with your friends, you're gonna be able to be like, I know I did, like, a wrong thing, I know I drove a car to, like, a flying car to school, like, that was illegal to begin with and crashed into a tree, but he didn't need to say all that shit. Whereas with McGonagall, like, she is going to keep it strictly to the facts and make you feel, like, the deepest shame, like, you're not even going to be able to feel petulant about it. So you pick Snape? Wait, who did I'm confused about who you picked. I mean now I am too, huh? Okay, I think so, she was saying she picks McGonagall because But, but then Snape your explanation sounded like Yeah, Snape. no, you're right. You're she right. talked so, herself out of so it. So my <laughs> choice my choice would be Snape because if McGonagall was fussy at me, I would feel bad. But if Snape was fussy at me, I would feel indignant. So I would rather yeah. get in trouble with Snape, which I think yeah, is kind right. of what you were saying. Yeah, like, I guess I guess I feel like if I'm getting yelled at McGonagall, I at least feel like I'm getting yelled at and it's fair, but, like, I also feel bad. But, like, if I'm getting yelled at by Snape, like, I don't feel as bad later on. You're like, everything he does is inherently unfair, especially if you're Harry fucking Potter. Right. Well, McGonagall comes in and she says, sit, explain. And, like, <laughs> that's like a rage mode. That's what I'm saying, like, when Snape gets mad, he just is like, he's just like, bah, 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 you did this, and you, and like McGonagall is like a pot about you're like ju- you're like I know it's about to boil over, and like I don't want to see it. Like she like has she like can't even say the words because she's so flabbergasted and disappointed. So McGonagall's like, why didn't you send us a letter by owl? That is one of maybe like two or three thousand alternative paths they could have taken at King's Cross when they could not get through the barrier. And then Harry's like, I didn't think. And McGonagall says, that is obvious. (laughs) She's a bitch. I love her. She's my favorite bitch. (laughs) My favorite bitch. So then Dumbledore comes. So, like, they, they talk to Snape, then they talk to McGonagall, and now they have to talk to Dumbledore. And, like, it just keeps getting worse. So, with Snape, it's like, hey, I hated you anyway. Fuck off, dude. And then with McGonagall, it's like, oh, sorry, we did something wrong. And then with Dumbledore, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, sir, we have erred. Allow us. <laughs> allow us to make reparation, make please. Reparations, yeah. We are but worms. Yeah. So, McGonagall said, sit explain and Dumbledore like somehow so much worse Dumbledore says please explain why you did this like (laughs) I just can't I can't with him (laughs) he has mastered grandpa guilt that ability to just like it's not judgmental it's not even really disappointment it's just questioning like what led you to this yeah and then you just have to answer honestly and sit there and judge yourself so harshly (laughs) (laughs) 
What have I done? <laughs> I know it borders also on that like silent rage where like you've gotten beyond sit, explain. Just like all you can do is be really nice and cordial, which is terrifying. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, okay, so back to Dumbledore. While they're explaining the story to Dumbledore, they make it seem like they happened to find a flying car outside of King's Cross, which, like, I get that all of Hogwarts' parents were parked at King. No, no, but they weren't. No one was parked at King's Cross. I think. What did just that? Obviously, <laughs> obviously, that was Arthur Weasley's flying car. And even Harry in the narrative is like, he knows Dumbledore will never believe this, but like he, I mean, obviously he's not going to be the one to get his friend's dad in trouble. Snitches get stitches. Yeah, snitches get stitches, exactly. (laughs) Except for we're in the wizarding world where stitches aren't really a thing. So snitches get to lay in the hospital wing for a full night, agonizingly regrowing all the bones in their right arm. Spoiler alert. (laughs) I I think in this case, it might more be uh, snitches won't get stitches because they won't get a hand-knitted Weasley uh, sweater. Aww, or maybe Aww. snitches don't get snitches because he's not allowed to play on that on the Aww. Gryffindor Quidditch team anymore. <laughs> okay, so ultimately Dumbledore's like, I will write both your parents home, and then it's up to Professor McGonagall to decide what happens next. So then, I I just like love the way Dumbledore sometimes he like the language he uses is like like I will leave. Professor McGonagall to deal with this. Come on, Snape, let's like go taste the pudding or like whatever the fuck he says. And it's like, well, he says Severus. Do you guys think Severus is like a cool name or like a creepy name? It's a creepy name. It sounds I mean, like a, a Mortal Kombat character. Yeah. Like Smelina. Yeah. Severus. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wouldn't feels like- give that name to someone that I liked. So if that says anything. Yeah. It almost feels like it has the word severe in it somehow. Like, I know it doesn't, but it feels like severus. Like a se- it kind of does. <laughs> well, I've always heard, like, Sen- sever, which, like, that's not good. That's how your head goes away from your body. Hey, well, kind of cool, because, like, didn't Snape invent Septum Sepra, right? Oh, interesting. Oh. That is kind of cool. That's a slicing spell. Sever us with your crazy spells. Yeah, so. But okay. no. I'm an asshole name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then McGonagall, well, first of all, Ron's like, I wanted to watch my sister get sorted, which, like, fucking moron. Like, you watch, like, it's over, dude. You missed it. Like, it's over. Can well, you do it again, please? I feel like this is, like, the first moment that either one of them, I don't know, He like, he's, like, thinking about real, he's like, I wanted to see Ginny, my only younger sister, get sorted into my house. And, like, He's like, I missed that. And Ron, for the first time, is like, ah, shit. Like, I'm now sad that I did this. I also think it was kind of interesting, because, like, obviously, like, the sorting hat will, like, smell a Weasley. Like, you don't even get all the way in the head. It's, like, obviously Gryffindor, right? But, like, okay, it's been three weeks since she's had the journal. What if she got a little bit of Slytherin sent on her? What if there was a little hesitation? We don't get to see that ceremony. So, like, what if when they were doing that, he was, like, kind of a similar situation to what Harry had, like, well, what do you think? I don't know because she had that scent on her. Wow, a that's weeks. a great. That's a great. Like, that's a good point. Yeah, I wish we got to have seen that ceremony to see, like, all right, because obviously when we saw it in the first book, you know, it's Gryffindor. Like, it's not even a, a second. 
Whereas, yeah. like, I'm sure there was probably a little hesitation when she was doing it. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the the difference is that Harry, as we know now, has a Horcrux inside of him. But, like, yeah. definitely, I think we talked about how Ginny probably already is at least... Somewhat. You know, like, connected to the journal in some way. It's a diary. I'm not going to call plus, it a journal. That makes plus, it like, addiction. Safe. She might even been carrying it on, on her robes at the time, too, you know? Well, especially so... after almost leaving it at home, you know? She's like, yeah. oh, shit, I need to keep Can't this close this. to me. Yeah. So, but she was sorted into Gryffindor. McGonagall is like, fuck off. She's in Gryffindor. She's better than you already, you know? She's a better Gryffindor than you already. <laughs> um, so, so, and then she's like, what to do with you? And Harry, I think it's Harry, is like, man, you know, we really stole this car, like, before terms started. So you could, like, it seems like maybe you shouldn't take any points from us this motherfucker is traumatized from when he, yeah from when he got in trouble on the night that he snuck norbert out and he got they got 150 points taken from gryffindor him hermione and neville and the whole school hated him for the first time ever first of many he's traumatized he's like oh my god i cannot start like this um, so she, like, she luckily, I think McGonagall truly is like, that is sound logic. And I cannot in good conscience do that to you. That's the kind of bitch McGonagall is. And I so, think it's more, I don't want to screw up our chances for the House Cup this early. Uh, that's true, Ooh. too. Well, that, or can you imagine the ass beating he would have got if they got another 100 points taken away right as he got there? <laughs> I know. Fucking Percy would have been in on that shit. Percy. <laughs> Percy. You little bitch. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll get to Percy. Um. So they only get detention, and they also get dinner. That's nice. She makes them some Sammies with magic, not with, like, her hands and a knife and stuff. Well, I, and I love that it's almost like I'm part of a McGonagall punishment. Like, I'm going to give you food, obviously, but you have to eat it here in the dungeon. With the like, floating baby head staring at you Yeah, you, you got to eat it in the shitty place. I'm not yeah. going to let you take it up to your room. No, no. You've got to eat the shit here. <laughs> Leave anything you're done. Like, if you don't eat it, it better be left here. <laughs> then walk her ass upstairs. Scary sandwich. Oh, I did want to ask, has anyone ever actually tried pumpkin juice? Yes, I tried it in Diag... Uh, nope, it, that's not the name of it. I tried it Diagonally. in... Well, it was Diagonally in Harry Potter World in Orlando. And it, I mean, it's sweet. It's like for... I mean, I that's mean it's like, like, it's like American as hell. Juice. Yeah. Like... I want some British pumpkin juice, and I want someone to tell me what it's like. Have you guys had any? Mm. Oh, well, maybe we should brew some. I've had pumpkin tea, which is delicious. I've had pumpkin beer. I've good. had pumpkin beer. Mm-hmm. I also and, had me, pumpkin beer. Andrew, me and you used to be like a thing of it that we would have every pumpkin beer we could find every fall. Yep. I miss oh. that. Oh, I didn't know that. That's adorable. Yeah, little little You're pumpkin bonding. beer contest. Make sure we mm-hmm. find all find them all. <laughs> Gotta catch them all. Pumpkin beer. <laughs> Isn't how that you nice? doing on pump- How you doing on pumpkin beer bingo, man? <laughs> <laughs> Essentially. Oh, we should make that. Somebody listener, you, you, you know, I'm talking to you. Make us a pumpkin beer bingo. You know. You're the one who likes Harry Potter and pumpkin beers. Make us that bingo. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So then they're eating the Sammies and they're like, wow, can you believe it? Here we are. We did it. I can't believe it. We're alive. That wasn't that bad. We did pretty good. We didn't die. I'm proud of us. (laughs) 
That's like how that conversation goes. Too. We should continue to do things like this. Yes. This is surely the way to solve problems. <laughs> oh, so and then they walk up to the dormitory and the school is quiet and they're like feeling maybe kind of sleepy. It's been a long day. They get to the portrait lady. That's not what the fat lady portrait. That's better. And they don't know the password, but it's okay because Hermione is in the hallway, probably looking for them or waiting for them because she's always smarter than them. She probably was like, wait a second, Ron and Harry won't have the password. I shall wait for them in the corridor. And then they walked right past her as she was snoozing at the foot of some sculpture or something. So she tells them the password. She's clearly a little bit peeved at their behavior. Also, She's probably disappointed that she didn't see them on the train. They're her best friends. And she's an only child, and she's been alone all summer. Who did she sit with? Neville. Gonna be Jenny. She probably sat with Jenny. Oh, that makes sense. Neville, Jenny, and Hermione! Oh, no! That's an awkward trio. It would have been a very wholesome ride. Can you imagine how mad she would have been if she had had to sit with, like, the Patil twins and Lavender Brown the whole trip down. She, she can she can like she, like she can get down with the gal pals I, for like an hour. That's the thing. Lavender for Brown for like though. an hour. Can you imagine though eight hours of having to hear them catch up about their summers and her mining's just like La- trying to read that book and well, just like and, <laughs> and probably like they're like Hermione what did you do and she's like oh I went to see like the Grand Canyon or some like muggle ass shit and they're like ew <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. But like, don't hit on Lavender Brown. Lavender Brown has not stolen Hermione's man yet. Okay, they I mean, don't have any of that baggage yet? <laughs> what redeeming quality? All right, no, we're not going to get into my disdain for Lavender Brown now. It's not time. <laughs> I don't think it's fair that her only depiction in this whole series is being a simpering, obnoxious girlfriend, and then dying, maybe, or be, or becoming queen of the werewolves. Wait, we'll get to that. That's a spoiler. We'll get to that. You're way too ahead of yourself. <laughs> so. Um, Hermione's mad. She lets them into the common room. Everyone in the common room is not mad. Um, there is an actual literal party waiting for them because, dude, that's so cool. I'm a gay. I can't believe you flew that car into Hogwarts. <laughs> Real stupid. Harry sees Percy mad in the corner. And so he's like, hey, Ron, Percy's mad in the corner. And Ron's like, right, let's go to bed. So they're like, they're like, yep, yep, goodbye. I did this. That was a cool thing I did. Goodbye, goodbye. And they go to bed. And then Neville and Seamus and Dean are waiting for them there, being like, oh, that's such a cult. Are you done with the flying car? You're floating in the water. <laughs> and now they're in the privacy of their own dormitory. So they're like, oh, yeah, we did a fucking cool thing. We're so cool now. And then they go to bed feeling extremely pleased with themselves. No, <laughs> no, I hate it. Oh, I hate it's it. It's not going to last. It's not going to last. Ron gets punished next chapter. Yeah. But what what is more true to Gryffindor qualities than doing something blindly brave that was just really stupid and then just feeling like you did the right thing? <laughs> really, they're embodying all the elements that make you a true Gryffindor. Well, wow. Let's not forget the one sentence that perfectly sums up the entire Harry Potter sentence is from book one. It was then that Harry did something incredibly brave and incredibly stupid. 
I don't think he did very many brave things in this chapter. I mean, getting in the car was brave. Was Asking, it? Yeah. I, Would I, you I, get into a car with a 12-year-old? I think it was stupid. It's not brave. It's just stupid. I'm sorry. That's my it's, wine two voice. Things, no, two things can be true. Like, it, it was very, very stupid. It was a terrible idea. But it also showed a certain amount of courage because, holy shit, I would not trust Ron as the designated driver, especially not 12-year-old Ron. I think that we're mistaking... I wouldn't mistaking, let him drive me now. I think we're mistaking, like, bravery with, like, something else. Like, to me, bravery has a point. It was brave of him to stand up to McGonagall and ask to not lose those house points. That was brave. Indeed. I agree with that one. Well, if they had common sense, they would be Ravenclaws, so... I guess we'll we'll just have to chalk that one up to... (laughs) No, because, I mean, honestly, I think, Christina, the thing that you think we're mistaking bravery for is recklessness, which is also a Gryffindor quality. Yes, that's what it is. There we go. (laughs) Oh, man. So does anyone have anything else to say about this chapter? Did we miss anything? I really like this chapter. I absolutely adore it. It, to me, feels like a very Harry Potter-style chapter. Like... A little bit of the ridiculousness, a little bit of the over-exaggeration, a little bit of conflict, and a little bit of humor. Like, it's just got everything. It's a great chapter. Love yeah. shenanigans. I'll agree with that. One, you know how they crashed into the thing and somehow, like, they didn't discover, like, any part of the entrance to the Shrieking Shack. Like, I thought that was almost, I guess there was a little bit of a panic, but that would have been a weird twist if they had you know, seen any part of that before the book three. Yeah. I, I don't think that in their panic and also in the car, they had like the opportunity to, but it is interesting that they were like so close to we, like a great plot reveal. We, we know they don't look with their eyes. Hermione told us that in uh, book one, they didn't see the trap door when they saw fluffy. Oh, they didn't yeah. <laughs> see the entrance when they crashed in the whomping willow. They don't look with their eyes. Well, they have a hard, they, when they panic, that's all they have. Panic. <laughs> all right, well, here we are. So now let's move on to some plugs. Haley, you want to go first? Uh, actually, yes. Uh, I am going to plug The Old Guard. Um, it's a Netflix original. It's Charlize Theron. Um, you know how, like, Charlize Theron, now that she's middle-aged and doesn't care, like, she just does, like, hot action movie stuff? It's yeah. that. Um, oh. So she, like, leads a team of, like, immortal warriors who, like, they regenerate every time they die, but, like, one day they stop. Um, and they never know when that day is going to come. And there's, like, Dudley Dursley, like, the kid who played Dudley Dursley plays a pharma bro who's trying oh to capture them to, like, like to unlock the secret to their immort- immortality and get rich. And it's just fucking good. Like, it's just good, man. What's it called? The Old Guard. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, Andrew, you're up. I'm going to plug... Uh... Sorry, there's a big thing of thunder going on outside. Yeah, we're all... I, I hear it, too. Um, I hear it both in my life and also through the headphones, which yeah. is super weird. I think this week I'm going to go ahead and plug How I Met Your Mother. I don't know. I uh, Comfort watching. Now, I will say a lot of the jokes, especially from the earlier seasons, like you take them with a grain of salt, especially having lived in the era when that type of stuff was acceptable. But it, it just did a... I don't know. It always gets me. It's a good show. Oh, that's awesome. Jay, how about you? I will plug, which I recently finished, was Gravity Falls. 
Um, watched it quite a few times, like here and there. It was like, this is some cool animation, decent dialogue, but good God, that's a good fucking story. Comes around the whole way, you know, keeps you captivated without giving you that whole story. And then when it comes together at the end of the season, fucking beautiful. And I actually do appreciate the artistic uh, decision to not come out with anymore. And I think they decided to cap it at where they did it because fucking nailed it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't build on it. So Gravity Falls, watch it, enjoy it, and uh, go Grunkle Stan. <laughs> I would second like, that. You are mm-hmm. Grunkle Stan. <laughs> You're not wrong, but fuck you. <laughs> when there's no cops around, anything's legal. <laughs> oh, God. Which one of us said that? We should have a segment, Grunkle Stan or Joey, who said it? <laughs> yes. Do you have anything personal you want to plug? You're not really active on social media. No, no. Okay. I don't want to plug anything. I want to be unplugged. Okay. This is too much. Okay. All right. Well, just hit. Oh, we're almost done. Hang on. Strike my name from the record. All right. <laughs> Black it out. It was never here. You a voice changer. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it's my turn. Hello. I have been your host, Christina. You can follow me on Instagram at YoGirlOfTheWorld. You can follow me on Twitter at Tina Fontina. This week, I'm going to plug one of my favorite movies. It, it is Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, starring Kira Knightley and Steve Carell. And the basic premise is that there is like an like a, a comet, a meteoroid, an asteroid. There is some heavenly body um, coming to destroy the Earth, and everyone knows it. And there's about a month until that happens. And, like, Steve Carell's wife leaves him, and then he is basically just seeking a friend for the end of the world. And it is one of the most, like, poignant, beautiful, silly movies I've ever seen. And as someone who has some really serious, like, mortality anxiety, I am constantly in a state of panic about the fact that I'm going to die someday. This movie is great, like exposure therapy, truly. Um, it's a really beautiful story, and I don't know where to find it. Maybe on Netflix, but follow the link in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> and while I have your attention, you can find this podcast on Instagram at Restricted Section Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Restricted Pod. You can find us on Facebook. Our Facebook group is called The Restricted Section Detention Crew. We also have a page called The Restricted Section Podcast. Not as fun as the group. I recommend the group. We are also on patreon.com slash the restricted section. Please support us there. Our next Patreon bonus episode is going to be about Chuck Tingles. Harriet Porber, the trans wizard, and the elaborate title that I just can't remember. We're also planning a Behind the Bastards homage episode about Gilderoy Lockhart, the Wizarding World's greatest grifter. So we have a lot of really great bonus content coming out on our Patreon, so find us over there. Any last words? Anybody? Anybody? Like any word? Yeah, any word. Just give me the one. Titty sprinkles! Perfect. Oh my god. go. Get the fuck off my computer That's my screen. safe word. Okay. <laughs> All right, great. <laughs> it really is. The Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. 
Logo by Michael Hardison. Technical support from Sean Watson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at restrictedsectionpod or shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise. Bye, Joey. I'm all right, guys. I have to pee too. Goodbye, everybody. I'll talk to you Bye, soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Wait, who is that? Hi. It's Jessica and Tim and uh, Raven. Hi. 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 No, no, no. Too much. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>